0: Kid. And my dad and the neighbors, all of our neighbors that lived close to us, they all fished. Well, the next thing they were taking us all fishing. Started a Cub Scout troop for our little neighborhood, and that's we went fishing and camping and just learning what we could about being outdoors and enjoying ourselves. It just spiraled on from there. Spiraled downhill? Yeah, downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we really went downhill when I found uh, girls in
1: motorcycles. Yeah, that's a total. That's a total detour for almost everybody. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing that you do that and then you come back. Right. And when you come back, it's just a hundred times better. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Because then hopefully you can afford a little and more cheaper. and cheaper. Welcome into Southeastern Fly. This is uh, the Angler's Influence. Today we're talking to Ronnie Grumpy Howard. Uh, we are s- with the mobile studio again. Uh, we're sitting inside Cumberland Transit at the fly shop uh, down in uh, Nashville. Where, where are we? Are we we're we on West End, right? Yep. West End Avenue, close to Vanderbilt and Centennial Park. The Vandy guys, mm-hmm. uh, baseball team, national champs. Yep. You can actually see the, the stadium from here, the yes. football stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From, from just right out the back door. I appreciate you having us come down. I know you've really been looking forward to this. I could tell by the uh, text and phone conversations that we had that uh, you've always <laughs> wanted to do one of these. But thanks for coming uh, yes, and doing influence with us. Uh, I think it's going to be a good good evening for us to have a, a discussion. So you started your fishing uh, with with the neighborhood, folks taking you out and then you discover girls and cars and everything that goes along with that. What about your fly fishing? let's let's start there. I
0: started fly fishing Not seriously when I was about 14. Well, I was building houses during the summer at that time, and we were building some houses next to where one of the guys lived. We went up there to the house one day and found a fly rod and everything in the garage, which belonged to his dad, and some popping bugs and things like that. Really didn't know what they were, but, you know, we took them. Mm -hmm. They had a place to tie a line to. So there was a pond right down from us. We went down there and started playing that pond. We found out that an automatic reel... Does not work real well with a popping bug and sixty pound mono on there. It will snap the front end right
1: off real quick. That was our first, my first foray into fly fishing. We just had somebody come in here and talk about you being a legend. So, but you don't, you don't get good at fly fishing on your own. You, somebody influences you, somebody or something or somewhere <coughs> influences you, and that kind of starts turning your. Turning your head and getting you, getting you, down the path, going down the path of, uh, of fly fishing. So, what, uh, what was your first, the first influence that you can remember that was, that was a major influence on you?
0: I mean, I started back fly fishing once again, not too seriously in the 80s. I, I was still at that time doing some bass fishing, a little tournament fishing and stuff. And we got up on the river with some friends, and we, we got fairly proficient about catching fish, on the cany and. Talking to people, coming down here to CT at the time, and the and fly chucker was in business. Uh, came down here and talked to them. They were all nice and, you know, and helped us in many ways. Well, we just started catching fish and having a blast. You know, once we learned a few of the tricks and, and, and they helped us out there. Well, we went to Arkansas, to fish over there one year. We fished a little red. Well, you'd think we was on another planet, you know. We, <laughs> we could not buy a fish, it seemed like so we got done for the day went up there to the fly shop up the road there and they was fixing to close and and we said well we'd uh, you know kind of like to get a few flies that you would recommend we want to start early in the morning before you open and maybe a little bit of advice he said guys i've been here all day i'm kind of like to go home and get a drink and you know and kick my shoes off and well we got some scotch in the truck well (laughs) let's open the doors and go in and get you set up bring that bottle (laughs) <laughs> that was uh, Jeff Hawthorne. Jeff and his brother, Tom. Tom owned those Arc in Heber, Arkansas, and Little Rock, both shops. Jeff managed one in Heber. Well, that, that bottle of scotch got us introduced into the most enduring learning session I've ever had in my life. Next thing you know, Jeff is not busy tomorrow. Hey, guys, if you want to float the river. <laughs> sure i thought i knew how to fish and was fairly good at catching fish he's put me to a whole
1: new level it's just like it opened up the the world so what what did he do that was different you know because everybody's everybody seems like on the rivers caught a fish or two or three or yeah. hundreds or whatever but what was, what was just a little bit of difference there what the
0: main thing he did and boy you'll get a lot of slack over this probably Indicator fishing. Yeah, that's something I'd never tried. You know, we were doing well with uh, wet flies, some dry flies, you know, uh, swinging wooly boogers and things like that. Just we were just out to catch fish, right? um, And learn a little as we went. But he started teaching how to use a strike indicator, and it's just it just opened a whole new world. I'd fish to a run that he put me on. Didn't get a hit. And I walked down, he said, Where are you going? I said, There's no fish up there. <laughs> I said, even though there looks like there should be. Come here. He put a piece of indicator on and said, Go back up there. And he said, That's just a glorified bobber. Yeah. And I said, Okay. I went back up there, made a cast, nothing. Came back, second cast, it stopped. I thought, Oh, boom. Raised a rod,
1: it opened up a world of just fantastic. You know, you can you can nymph fish with an indicator pretty much all year yes but sporadically there are different times that you'll want to fish with something else like a dry or a now terrestrial at this time of year this is Mm -hmm. what july and then sometimes you'll want to fish streamers more we fish more in the winter yes but a nymph is pretty good all year you're pretty much not guaranteed but there's a really high likelihood you're going to catch some fish if you're nymphing under an indicator yeah you're going to have more fish feeding
0: subsurface than you will on top or yeah so your nymphs and midges or or and uh, pupas and all are a great choice to fish.
1: So, so was, were you just fishing? What were you fishing? Just one single nymph under there? Or did you?
0: Good, uh, bug. That's so, all you need yeah. in Arkansas. That's a, sow bug. that's a fact.
1: <laughs> that is a fact. There's plenty of those over there. Yes, And sir. it doesn't matter if you're on the little red or the white or North just, Fork. Yeah, this right. doesn't matter, does it? No, it does not. I hope to get over there and record some of those folks as well because I know there's some there's some folks that around over there that we need to get their story out, get it down. So yeah. that, you know, so that yeah. somebody can listen to it. And before you go somewhere, it's a good good thing to go listen to some podcasts, yeah. do some search research online, and and still go into the fly shops and do that. But yeah. have a mentality before you go over there. At least you right. know the right questions to ask, or at yes. least you'll know there is a question to ask. Oh, it's just, uh, don't forget a bottle of scotch.
0: Yeah. It's yeah, dry
1: there. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, it is. There's one place to buy liquor there that's about probably an hour and a half mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on the right, yeah. the big store on the right going yes. over. Yeah. Not, oh. not that we have. Yeah, we got uh,
0: <laughs> knowing Jeff real well, and from then on, two or three times a year, we'd go down there and stay at his place for a week. Wow. A boy could cook. Mm. Oh, he could cook. It's just uh, fantastic, you know. Met a lot, met a lot of guys. Got access to some private property and and all that for launching boats and uh, just the, the greatest time. I could. We were there for years, several years, and then uh, life kind of got busy. Gotta, you know, didn't make it back. Jeff unfortunately got sick and passed away, and that, that, uh, that was a sad situation. So,
1: but a uh, good to die young, but you know they he's passed along some information to you made you a better angler. yes you've passed along even on this podcast you passed along some information yeah. that hopefully somebody's out there going i'm gonna try those nymph yeah. things that they're talking about yeah and if they're in the area or they could even call and get some advice too yeah i think it's important to be able to pass along some advice to people that are just starting so we can kind of keep the keep the bucket full of people we don't want it necessarily oh, overflowing right. into our run that we want to fish oh,
0: you can tell and i tell Folks, all the time when they come in here, I can tell you what I'm fishing, where I'm fishing, how I'm fishing, but you don't see me doing. You don't know exactly what I'm doing, so you know. Yeah. And it's just uh, it could be one little subtle thing that's different from what they're doing that makes that big difference. It absolutely is. And that that kind of comes from uh, years of being irresponsible.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, Ronnie, let's pay some bills here. With Moonshine Rods, their mission is simple, to imagine, create, and distribute unique, well-built fly-fishing rods at a price point that real people can afford. They craft their rods in hopes they inspire a revival, a return to the pure and simple spirit of adventure, moments that stir the soul. Strikingly designed, high performance, and built to last, every one of their small batch rods whispers the beginning of a unique story, one that's bound to be epic. They are some great
0: rods. Um, over the years, uh, here at the shop, you know, naturally we've always been an Orbitz dealer and we've had other manufacturers as well too and still have a couple of others. i fished the Moonshine Drifter. Yeah, very impressed with the rod. It's a small company. I know one of the guys in the company, hopefully one day I'll meet some of the others. The one guy that I know, you can't beat him. He's as good and down to earth person as you ever meet in your life. With the rods, Okay, not many people are going to give you an extra tip with a rod today. True. What's the first thing you typically break is the tip? Anywhere there's a ceiling fan. Yes. So there you go. You've got one tip broke. You still have a tip to fish while you're sending one off for repairs. The rods are well built, look great, handle well, come with a knife, separated tube
1: and a warranty. Just a good overall product. Yeah, I agree. And we interviewed Tate early on. Yes, so there's a there's a podcast out there. What a he's just a good guy. Yeah, yeah. I knew him back when he was a rock and roller. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we talked a little bit about that. Yeah, he was a drummer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but anyway, good guy. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. He and uh, I
0: have the utmost respect for him. His family's a fan. He's got a fantastic family. Uh, can't beat him. can't yeah. beat him.
1: Let's move on. So, so Jeff was one of your influences. Uh, definitely, it sounds like he taught you a lot, but right. you, you walked away there with nymph. So, who? What would be another influence?
0: Uh, more than likely, my my father and grandfather. Um, my father, of course, he had you know worked pretty much to provide for us most of the time. But uh, I kind of always knew when it's time I, I was going to have to start tilling the garden <laughs> and planting tomatoes because we would go fishing for fish guts to plant the tomatoes. So, <laughs> And, of course, Dad, he would always try to, you know, take us fishing when he could come up a little time. But my grandfather had two grandsets of parents who lived close together out there in, in town. I could go to one of them and, uh, well, let's do this, let's fix that, let's do this, let's, we're going to bail hay, and that was it. I'd go to the other one. Uh, depending on what time of year it was, we'd go hunting or we'd go fishing. Oh, Natchie, I took the high road and went <laughs> hunting and fishing. <laughs> I'd learn about work later. Right. But, uh, I mean, it's just, he was so patient with me, and actually we were spin fishing, you know, back then, and uh, Zebco, he was patient with me. He would tell me what to do, show me what to do, you know, how to tie a knot,
1: and then just tell me to go away and leave him alone. So. You know, tying a knot, what What about that? You know, that's one thing that, I don't think we invest enough time in tying knots, and I'll tell people, get you, go to go to Walmart, Pick up some twenty-pound test at night while you're watching TV. Yeah. Flip on some YouTube on your phone. Yeah. And pick you a knot out and tie it. You should be able to tie that knot without right. looking at it. Yeah. Because inevitably you're going to get on the river and it's going to be dark and your fly mm-hmm. is going to break off or, or something crazy is going to happen and you're going to have to tie some knots. Yeah.
0: There's a three knots you should know. Well, four actually. I mean, you need to need to know a knot for attaching your backing to your line. You need to know a knot for attaching your line to your backing. And how is your leader attached to the fly line? And how do you tie the fly on or add tippet to your leader? So there's a few knots that you know and you're ready to go. This day in time, they've come out with some more knots. You know, people have developed, you know, they're always doing something different. There's a many knots out there that are simple to tie, especially when you get kind of Older like I am, and I start, you know, mm-hmm. getting older too. A little more simplicity helps. Yeah. Uh, so you get to looking at uh, two-pound test tippet, and uh, Lord, you know, oh well, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then okay, well, where's that little fly I was trying to attach it to? So yes, um, knots are highly overlooked. Also, if you look at it another mm-hmm. way, a knot is a weak point. True, but we rely on them. Yeah. I'd Properly, you should be in good shape. So your grandfather
1: taught you how to tie some knots uh, along I'm, the way. Yes, my grandparents—I guess my whole family—but my grandparents are the ones that I think about the most. So just about this time of year, mm-hmm. I would go over to their house and they would take take me up to real foot, and they would influence me because have chocolate. My grandmother always had chocolate. Yeah, always. Oh yeah, uh, and then really just the love of being outside fishing Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. amongst you know real real foot's got some snakes over there we had we had a snake conversation earlier yeah uh but i mean even even with that i could stay out there with them i I guess i figured you know maybe my grandfather could scare them away or whatever which may or may not have been true but (laughs) you know they influenced me that way so yours your grandfather so you had one that worked a lot and then the other one wanted to play some yes i mean he worked
0: hard during the week he cut timber for a living Oh wow! Yeah. So, yeah. He, he he liked his weekend about as well as anybody else did. Yeah. He just enjoyed doing it. Uh, when I got a little bit older and he was playing ball and stuff, so he was always there at, at games and him and my grandmother and you know cheering me on, so, <laughs> and just uh, kept a good eye out for me. Try I think they set a pretty good example for me. Uh, sometimes I might have strayed a little, but
1: uh, they helped me come up with a good decent life. So good for them definitely and an, an, a good influence. Mm-hmm. you got Jeff, you got your grandparents, grandfather taking you out. Yeah. so let's talk about your your third influence. We talked a little bit before we pushed record on the recorder and we were talking about blue lines.- mm-hmm. so we want to get real specific here okay Not yeah. necessarily exactly where you fish right, but in the water. yeah, right <laughs> but we want to talk about how you fish and what you use different times a year stuff like that for the folks that that are close to the blue lines we're not real super close to blue lines here let's just go no. ahead and call that what it is but we're within a three four hour travel to yes. where we can get to some right. be standing in a blue line within four hours i would think yeah. pretty easy so we were talking about the blue blue lines and you were talking about maybe that was an influence uh for you we can talk about that, or we can talk about Arkansas being influenced influence for you. It's just whichever way you want to do it. Uh,
0: I love both of them. I mean, Arkansas, you got three of the most, you know, best rivers in the nation, really. We've got a couple in this state and, and a neighboring state or two. The blue line, just something I don't get to do very often. It's something I take as me, my time. Something that you're not going to hear me talk too much about. It's just... Okay, there's no, there's no secrets. They're not secret. And people come in and ask me, "So where do you fish?" I said, "Cherokee National Forest." And that covers a wide range. Um, most, think- a lot of folks like to go to park. I don't like to go to park because I don't want to put up with people.
1: The Smoky, Great Smoky Mountain National. Park. Yes, yeah. yes. There's a uh, few people so, over there. Yeah. <laughs> so I
0: go to the forest areas where you know there's not that big of a crowd and stuff. Uh, don't get me wrong. There's some great streams in the park. Yeah, but um, I have been there and fished them. But I just prefer the, the national forest areas because they're a little more remote.
1: Yeah, and not enough of much around. They're not as advertised as the park, right. Which, right. Is, which is good. Yes. And any squeaking around that y'all hear, Ellie Mae, Ronnie's dog is <laughs> is in here. I swear, every every other. <laughs> recording that we do there's an animal of some kind yeah. roaming i think we all have animals and, and ellie Mae is lucky enough to come to work with you it looks like probably pretty much every day because she's she's got petting for everybody from everybody that walked through the door correct she's and, our official greeter yeah and she's got food from about three of them <laughs> yeah but she's uh, she's made herself right at home here so the the forest the national forest and the blue lines so there there's a couple of rivers over there that are pretty good size you right. know for for mountain rivers but mm-hmm. so do you go up so do you fish those types of rivers or do you go up to the tributaries
0: we'll fish them something especially towards maybe some of the winter months and things like that um when a smaller tributaries you speak of or you know really just almost too cold to fish yeah Actually, the ones, the bigger rivers can somewhat be, but uh, it's a different style of fishing. You're fishing big, you're fishing deep. Uh, you're not looking for fish, you're looking for the fish uh, when we do that. So by the fish, what do you mean? I would like to say uh, natural born fish, more than likely, and a lot of streams are going to be holdovers. Right. But in my opinion, that one, it's, you know, somewhat been in the river a long time and survived Well, he has. uh, I can say, almost called a natural fish. And heaven forbid they reproduce. I mean, that'd be terrible. Right. But but anyway, yep. I just, I I like the tributaries better. They're smaller, challenging. The fish aren't gonna be huge. They, you can hold them in your hand. Right. If you get one that's longer than your hand, oh, let's get the camera out and take (laughs) a picture of this one. You know. Or you'll take a picture of all of them because they're so beautiful. They really are. It is nothing like going to a tailwater anywhere else. You stop. Okay, I didn't catch many fish today, but what did I see? You know, where was I at? I didn't see a thing. I didn't see no trash. You know, it was just us and nature, and that one bear that scared the crap out of me. (laughs) So you know. And there's no path
1: beside the creek either
0: no now there's some some of your creeks are kind of little known or you know can be a path on them Uh, some of them actually have you know horse trails near them and off too so i mean some of them can be easy access yeah uh as you know it's the same way in tailwater fishing if you're willing to walk half a mile
1: to mile you get away from somebody you have to be willing to put a little distance between you and yes. the other guy yes i mean if you really want to get out and, and where you're talking about in, in the forest there are a lot of people that go up there but you don't really see them because there's a, there are enough streams up there that you right. can actually get away yep. uh, and you don't have to fish like some of the tailwaters where you mm-hmm. you know you can almost cast to the guy down from you or up right. from you right You're talking about the things that you saw that you see up there in bears of mm-hmm. uh, it's soul. actually scary to
0: see a human up there that you didn't know what there than a bear. So yeah. you know the bear published somewhere.
1: Then all of a sudden a human popped up. They're like oh, that's scary. I don't, I don't know if there's anything worse than I than being out in the middle of you think nowhere and all of a sudden you smell cigarette smoke but you don't see anybody. Yeah. That's uh that's almost unnerving. Yeah. Well at least you know there's no sense in going any further fishing that area. Yeah, right. <laughs> so we were up there on one of the one of the blue lines one, one day. We actually went up and spent a, a A few days camping and fishing, and we fished a fairly well-known one. But it kind of went back into the woods, away from the road. So that was the area we were fishing. Right. And I was cutting through to catch up to my buddy to say, "Hey, I'm hungry. Let's go back and grab something to eat." And I saw this broken-off tree. That was an old dead tree. Right. It was broke up, broke off probably I don't know eight or nine foot above. And there was a hole in it, and there was a beehive, old beehive, laying on the ground, mm. and there were bear marks, probably up about six, seven feet yeah, up above my head. Yeah, 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 yeah. And a whole lot wider than your hand. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, anyway, I found my buddy pretty quick. It wasn't hard for me to get to him. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, most of the time, if you see a bear, you're going to see his bud anyway. Yeah. Going to be or, or from smell you. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've smelled more than I've ever seen. Yeah and it's a smell that makes the hair stand up on your neck and it's not like anything else no either it's no. totally different it's no. almost like a smell that you're like i don't know what that is yeah, it's not chanel number five no no it's not it's not so when you go up there what do you try to fish what's what's your favorite type of or way to fish up there i know fly fishing but let's get a little more specific well
0: for most time up there it's going to be dry flies i mean you know the fish you have hatches up there i mean these you got these little streams sometimes that may be, you know, five or six foot wide, ten foot at the widest maybe. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a little wider, but there are hatches, there's bugs, that yeah. you know we don't see, you know, on a lot of the other places where we do fish, unfortunately. But you get up there and you come anywhere near close to what is hatching, and it's game on. Yeah. The only worst thing is is those uh tree gypsies and gremlins that follow you around you go to make a cast you look behind you it's clear you cast there's a tree right where there wasn't one before yeah you know i don't know how they move and get there that quick i know (laughs) and
1: without making a sound right right you think you would hear them yes Yes. yeah because you sure didn't see them no it's all all or the tree yeah, all your senses need to kick in, but right. apparently they they figured out how to get around yeah. that. But, um, I mean, I don't I don't take it all to
0: anything seriously anymore fishing-wise. I just go to have fun and enjoy myself. They're biting? Fantastic. They're not biting? Fantastic. Uh, I'm out. I'm not working. I'm in a beautiful place. But dry fly, I love dry fly fishing up there. It's, it's something you can relatively rely on most times. Uh, drop a nymph off of one can be rewarding. A six inch fish feels like a monster when it hits you up there in some of those currents and it just uh, makes you feel like a kid
1: again. And do you do you fish bamboo up yes. there? Yes. That's what I thought. Yeah,
0: I've well fished bamboo, fiberglass, and graphite. Yeah. What weight rods do you use? Mostly three on the fiberglass and graphite. Uh, line them up with a four weight line just you know, able to turn the fly over easier. The bamboos I have are, are, are four and
1: five. Yeah. So you're talking about turning the fly over, that was one thing that I, it took me forever to figure out what that even meant. Uh in the the over overlining a rod sometimes yeah. will get since you're not casting, it's not a river running through it up there by any means. Right, right. It's uh it's more dabbing. Mhm. Yes, it is. And I think uh, this
0: day and time uh, the ten caras taking a hold. Yeah. On fishing that way. Well years ago when I was carrying a nine foot rod or a nine and a half foot rod up in there, it was just poking in was? did I invent Tenkara <laughs> you, know, you know, or even what about our ancestors the ones that were up there were just old cane posts, right you know? right yeah uh, we just think we started something we're just bringing up on what's
1: been here for a long, yeah. long time yeah and I've always wanted to get up I've probably said this before but I've always wanted to go up there mm-hmm. and just find a, a, a long stick a long piece yeah. of cane whatever yeah and tie some line on it, and just see how many fish I could catch, or uh, if I could even catch one.
0: All you could do, is stay low. Yeah, we're going, we're going to stay low anyway, uh, yeah. you know, and, and try to stay in the shadows. And same difference. You know, I don't. Think I
1: guarantee you'll catch a fish. The the everybody wants to talk about how smart the the wild fish are, and this and that. But I think it's just, I think God just gave them instincts more than he did anything. You know. <coughs> More than brains.
0: Well, too, they're not like a, a lot of our tailwater fish and things like that, where there's uh, actually a hope, we hope, a whole lot more food sources. Yeah. More readily available. Up there, you're not going to have as many per, say, mile, but they've got to work for every parcel of food they get. So they're not going to pass up too many opportunities if
1: it's a good presentation. All right, so that, that brings me to another question, and I'm thinking specifically about the bear story a while ago. But there's a – there's a so if you can picture in your mind this little stretch of river, maybe it's 30 feet long. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a, a long pool. Yeah. At the back of that pool, the water starts speeding up mm-hmm. just a little bit. In the middle of that pool, it's kind of kind of dead. Yeah. At the head of that pool, uh, there's two rocks, in the and the water comes right between the two rocks and mm-hmm. picks up some speed there. So – you got a pretty clear, Everybody got a pretty clear picture of what I'm talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you fish that?
0: Yeah, that's when you wish you had a 16-foot rod.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> yeah you Because know, you can get up there, in some cases, with too short of a rod. And you, and if you can make a cast into that water, you can't control the fly line with a short rod. That's true. Typically, what I try to do, I, I will start fishing at the very tail out where I'm at. Mm-hmm. I mean, right there under my feet, I will let some flies come right up to my feet because you never know what's fixing to scoot out from under you. Now, as you toward the middle, uh, I'm kind of giving it a little bit of a dead zone thinking. Yep. But I will put a shot or two in, you know, out to the sides or anything else I feel like cover, and hopefully I can walk and maneuver up close to the rocks and the swifter water and look which side has the shallowest or which side has the deepest from the runoff. You all I'll go with the shallow side first, and then after I fish that, I'll switch over toward, you know, in between, then over to the, the right side if it's deeper and fish that last. I will, when, when doing that, I'll probably go back to a nymph and all underneath, under a dry, to fish that slower water like that as well, mm-hmm. just to get something down and see if there's something hopefully laying down there. Then after that, right up into the, where the water's come tumbling down in front of the rocks. Try to pile a cast in there a little bit where she won't back out on you so much and let it sink and kind of go around with the current and, and watch.
1: Because if it happens, it will be fast. You're talking about right in the middle there, putting Mm. that nymph on. Yeah. In the middle, those fish are probably a little more spooky because there's not much up above them in that dead zone for them to think. All right, I can get out here and eat some. They're going to be kind of tucked a little closer in the middle there, in my opinion. Yeah. If you're talking about the type of water that we're talking about, the dead zone in the middle, they're going to they're going to not want to come out quite as easy. So if you put a nymph in front of their face and make them make their decision. A lot of times it'll be the the right decision for us right, right wrong decision for them, maybe, yeah, and then that top up there uh that you're talking about I fished for a for a bag one time for about thirty minutes with a friend of mine uh where the water was coming through between two big rocks and it was mm-hmm. roaring through there, yeah uh and it was a plastic bag after. You know, I, uh, In my defense, I didn't fish for it very long. And then whenever I figured out it was a plastic bag, I let him fish for it for about another 15 there minutes you before it. I said, uh, yeah. you Encouraging, encouraging. Yeah, right, right. I think he went after
0: it that time. Uh, <laughs> Lord, I think we've all done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: We've all fished for something that wasn't yes. exactly what we thought it was. <laughs> oh, mate. So what, what about weight if you're fishing a nymph? Obviously not with a dry, but if you're fishing a nymph, how important is weight up there?
0: I like to have a pretty well weighted fly on the nymph. I mean, simply because that water is doing things that uh, you know it's moving more with force than some of your tailwaters, where you know it's moving slower or warm water or any other creek for that matter. That water is moving. Uh, Fly isn't getting down just because it had a beadhead on it. (laughs) Even if it's tungsten, you need to have some weight on there sometimes. I'll use the tungsten putty to help get a yeah. weighted fly even down further. Uh-huh. Uh, it's fantastic when you get into an area and high stick a, fly, a set of flies through some water. Even, okay, you come up on a rock. You can't see the other side of the rock, but you've seen what it was coming out. The rod goes up over the rock. You hold it, and all of a sudden that rod starts wiggling. <laughs> you know, you couldn't see it, right? but you got it. Uh, it was there, and that's the only way you were going to get to it. Yeah, and you know they're there yeah. in your mind, and then all of a sudden you catch one, and yeah. you're like, "Okay, I was yeah. right." Of course, there's nobody around to believe it happened, but no. uh,
1: you know, sometimes that's okay. A bonus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long since I've been up there. Now that you're you we're talking about it, I'm thinking, when was the last time I was up there? And it's been a long time. Uh I bet it's been 15 years. Well, Lord, I hadn't been that long, but it's been too long for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to get back up there. Yeah. And, I don't know, the camping's part of it, the, the campfire, the fishing. It's the whole experience of being yeah. up yeah. and away from from pretty much from everybody and else. And
0: heaven forbid you just sit out there around the fire and look up in the sky.
1: The, the neatest thing for me, uh, we went up there. Uh, this was probably the last time we were up there. But it was night. We had a fire going. Of course, you know, we're, we've got a roaring fire going. I look up, and I was like, okay, it's pretty clear because, you know, there's the moon. And then about two hours later... I looked back up and we were on the side of the mountain Right. and I said, where's the moon guys? It was gone. I thought, well, it must've, you know, went to one side of the mountain or the right. other. And then about 20 minutes later, I looked back up and there it was again. Yeah. And so we sat up through the, through an eclipse, which was one of the neatest things ever <laughs> that we had seen, you know, and it was a real bright, heavy moon too. Cause he right. knew something was going on. You just didn't know what it was until it came back yeah. out. And that was really a, I mean, it's just something else that you experienced that, Oh yeah. you know, you, um,
0: find you a place five six thousand feet um elevation you know where the moon's gonna rise from yeah and all of a sudden this thing comes up looking bigger than a a gray hound bus (laughs) you know yes it's It's bigger than it ever would be here yes yeah yes i mean it's just sometimes sometimes i think just fishing up there is not about fishing it's just just being there and seeing scenery but catching a fish is a bonus i don't care what you're doing yeah Water. Caney Fork, a farm pond, a creek.
1: You catch a fish, that was a bonus to your day. So. Yeah. I like to say other people are in, in here, out there watching it on TV, and I'm out here doing it. Yeah. There you go. You know, There you go. I was in Florida. Of course, you know, everything they got is free and, you know, driving big fancy <laughs> trucks and all this stuff. <laughs> I was in Florida one time uh, on vacation. I was the only one at the vacation house that we were staying in. I was watching this guy catch redfish. Mm-hmm and on tv i'm just sitting there at, you know 10 o'clock in the morning on saturday just sitting there watching tv and i was thinking man i'd like to do that and then all of a sudden i said wait a minute i turned the tv off grabbed my rod went over to the bay side <laughs> and he caught a redfish I, okay so that's kind of where i really got that saying other people are watching it on tv because because yeah. i was watching it on tv and being sitting <laughs> right there so getting out and experiencing it is a big deal. You know,
0: some shows have t- on TV have been or can be very educational as well. True. I um, mean, you know, and my God, today you've got the internet. Yeah. You know, back when I got started going in all this, basically this is the only fly shop I knew of, other than you know had Bill Clay's and and uh, I can't remember the name of the other Rod and Gun, I believe. Yeah. Um,
1: Chuck was here. He and then, not, was he here yet? No.
0: No, he, he wasn't here yet. Yeah. Uh, when I first come into this one store, there was a few rods up there and a little bitty fly box and flies in it. And that was a fly
1: shop. Come quite uh, a
0: ways since then. There's just, I don't know, there's something like, say, about walking into a fly shop or something like that and talking to someone that's been doing something or knows what's been doing and learning. You know, hopefully you can go into a fly shop somewhere
1: and they will help you. Most are really good about it. Yeah, There are some out there that are. Oh, yeah. You know? Yep. But there's some of those in, in everything you do. But, oh, that's, yeah, that's true. That's you know. true. But I don't you know. try, I, I don't dwell on them, and I don't go back to them. Yeah. I mean, either yeah. they. Either and some folks
0: ask me questions. I'm not big on salt water. Yeah. You know, I say, hey, um, God, I know there's a couple other shops here in town that can help you. You know, I can tell you something, but I don't know.
1: Yeah.
0: That's no sense in, you know, telling them
1: wrong and making them have a bad experience. So, right. Well... Ronnie, this is—I know you were really looking forward to this. You've been <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I uh, had several folks tell me that that you need you need to be interviewed mm. uh, for for this for these exact stories that we've been able to talk about this evening, and I appreciate you letting us in, and, and uh, Ellie May for for entertaining us wherever she's got off to yeah, now. Probably. Trying to eat the power cords. Probably, yeah, she was trying to <laughs> eat the power cords while ago, right in the middle of the conversation. So, again, we're, we're here with the mobile studio, sitting inside Cumberland Transit at the fly shop, talking to Ronnie Grumpy Howard. and I don't know, where, where did the grumpy part come from? Uh, before coffee. Before coffee. Boy, that's a fact. <laughs> that's me. I, that could be 90% of yeah. us. Or <laughs> some. Some folks say it's all day, but uh, uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know that I believe that. I do want to go fishing in your in your in your boat, though. I haven't been in it yet. Me neither. we we need to get out and and, uh let me let me try that thing out a little bit for for speed but uh, again appreciate you bringing us out here and and, uh hosting us at at cumberland transit and uh appreciate everybody listening talk to you next time well good deal i appreciate being here and if nobody didn't understand a thing welcome to my world (laughs) all right thanks everybody
0: Bye y'all